Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Here we go, Acts chapter 8. Now Saul, and we know Saul, eventually became the Apostle Paul. In the next chapter, he gets converted. He becomes a believer. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Talking about Stephen's death, he was stoned in the previous chapter. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution. Notice the Bible never exaggerates. So it doesn't only say a persecution, it says a great persecution. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So notice this persecution was so severe that the church of Jerusalem was scattered. People were scattered everywhere. In other words, they moved. They moved to other parts of the country or the region, Judea being that southern region of what we now know as Israel, and Samaria being the center region of Israel. Of course, the north is called Galilee. And so uh, there in Jerusalem, the The persecution was so intense there, they just spread out over all Judea. They spread out over Samaria. And notice it says this, except the apostles. The apostles stayed on their assignment, even in the face of great persecution. Now, somebody would say, well, were they immune to it? Well, they were being protected. But when when we get to Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 12 begins with James being killed by the sword by Herod. And so which James? Well, the the author of the book of James? No. The author of the book of James is Jesus' half-brother. No, this was James as in Peter, James, and John. So we'll get to that in Acts chapter 12. But the point is that this was real persecution. This wasn't just uh, comments made on social media. No, this was real persecution. And uh, we're going to see that Saul was in the middle of this persecution. And so it says uh, that the church was scattered everywhere except the apostles. They stayed on their assignment. They're, they're, they're full of boldness in the Holy Spirit. And they're not, they're not running away. Now, it doesn't mean that if they went to another place that it would necessarily be wrong because Jesus taught the disciples, the apostles, When you go, for example, Matthew chapter 10, when you go into one city, if they don't receive you there and they try to persecute you, flee to another city. He told them that. But in this case, they knew their assignment was in Jerusalem to lead this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this great move of God. And so they did not run from persecution. They stayed and faced it and continued to do their ministry. Verse 2, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him, and rightfully so. What a man of God. Verse 3, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church. See, Saul was the the ringleader. He was the leader uh, and one of the, if not the, one of the primary instigators of this severe persecution 
against the church. This is why later on when Paul was writing his letters, he said, I'm the least of all apostles. I'm the chief of sinners because I persecuted the church. And so he said, "I, I was actually attacking precious people in the church. Of course, he wrote that later. As for Saul, verse three, he he made havoc of the church, entering, listen to this, entering every home and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. This is how severe the persecution was. And Paul was leading this effort to find every home where believers were and to go in. Are there believers here in Jesus? And if there were to drag them off, you can see why people were leaving the city and to drag them off, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, watch this, preaching the word. They didn't just flee persecution. (laughs) They went and they preached the word. People say, well, what's going on with you? Why are you coming here to our city? Well, here's what's going on. We were being persecuted because, because Jesus is the Messiah, and he was raised from the dead, and they're preaching the word of God. Uh, after fleeing from persecution. Oh, this is powerful. Now watch this. Verse 5. Then Philip. Now Philip, you remember, was one of the seven who were chosen in Acts chapter 6 to serve the tables and such. He was the second one named. Stephen was the first one. He, He was martyred last chapter. But now this is the second one. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Christ of course, is that Greek word Christos, meaning the anointed one or Messiah. He preached that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the anointed one that we Jewish people have been waiting for. So he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, watch this, the multitudes, what multitudes? The multitudes of people in the city of Samaria, the multitudes with one accord heeded the thing spoken by Philip hearing, hearing his preaching, and seeing the miracles which he did. And it goes on to say, four unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many, many, not just a few, many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Well, see, they're listening to him preach, and the power of God's word is penetrating their hearts and piercing their souls. But it's not only that. Here are the, all these people saying, I was healed. I was healed. And this is bringing credibility. This, these are signs following or accompanying the word, proving that his message is true, giving evidence. Verse 8, and there was great joy in that city. Why? This message has come that the Messiah has actually visited us. The prophecies have actually come true. He was here. He was here and he was raised from the dead. And this person was healed and that person was healed. This other person was delivered from demonic activity and such. And so there was great joy and people were talking about it. It became the gossip of the city. Well, Jesus... The, the fact that Jesus had arrived in Israel. So that was big news. Verse 9, But there was a certain man called Simon, who, was previ- who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they, gave, they all gave heed from the least to the greatest. In other words, 
They really believed in his so-called power, his sorcery power. And it says, they, they heeded him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. So they said that about this man called Simon. Verse 11, and they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. In other words, they bought into the gospel through Philip. Even the ones that believed that this man, Simon, the sorcerer, that he was right, when they heard Philip and they began to see the miracles that happened, they said, we believe this is the true faith and and the truth that we should follow. Verse 13, then Simon himself also believed. Now, why is that? Well, he's a sorcerer, so he he may be doing things to show power, but uh, could be more like an illusionist of today, magic tricks and so on, deceiving people. But Simon, when he saw these miracles and heard these testimonies, he believed, oh my goodness, this is not sorcery. This is not magic or illusion. Uh, This is real. These things are really happening by the power of God. So then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. He wanted to be right there with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So an illusionist or somebody that does magic tricks and such, they would know if this stuff is real. They would be able to tell, is this a fake? Are they these people... Uh, being paid to give these testimonies, or are these people being really healed? And no doubt Simon knows some of these people who were lame and had been lame many years. He knows they weren't faking. These are real people. This is not on television. This is in our city. And so it goes on to say in verse 14, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, isn't that interesting that multitudes of people received the gospel, they were baptized in the name of Jesus, and yet when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria received the word of God, that people were saved, baptized into Christ, so to speak, and they got born again. But when they heard that, they sent Peter and John, watch this, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. What does that say? That it was the understanding of the apostles that receiving the Holy Spirit was a distinct event from getting born again. See, a lot of people, they don't understand this. They they have been taught that because the Holy Spirit does come inside of you when you are born again, that that is what the Holy Spirit is. You get born again, And the Holy Spirit comes in you, which is true. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit does come inside of your spirit. It it causes your spirit to be born into the family of God and the Holy Spirit's in you. However, it's not the fullness of the Spirit. It's like having some water in a glass, but the glass is not full and overflowing with water. See, there's a difference. And so notice the apostles' understanding. When they heard that, uh, that Samaria had received the word of God, They'd been baptized in Jesus' name and such to be saved. It says, they sent Peter and John that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he, the Holy Spirit, had fallen upon none of them. 
not even the ones who received the word, not even the ones who were baptized to become believers? He hadn't fallen on them? No. See, there's a difference between getting saved and the Holy Spirit coming in you and being baptized with the Holy Spirit to where you're filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. These are distinct. Sometimes we'll see in Acts chapter 10 that they can happen at the same time. But did you know two things can happen at the same time? Like, for example, I could scratch my head with one hand and pat my leg with the other hand. See, two, two distinct events can happen at the same time. But that doesn't mean that they're not distinct. See, and just because they happened at the same time in Acts chapter 10, that doesn't mean that they always happen at the same time because there are five specific events where the Holy Spirit fell on people and they were filled with the Spirit or baptized with the Spirit. It's two different ways of saying the same thing. For the first time, five times that that happens. And only once did it happen simultaneously. And that's in Acts chapter 10. The other four times, they were subsequent. Okay, so here it's evidently subsequent because all these people that had received the word of God and been baptized, it said the Holy Spirit had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. There it is, clear as day. The Holy Spirit had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So watch this. Then they laid hands on them. Who? Peter and John, who were sent from Jerusalem. Then they laid hands on them when they arrived. And they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I I would have probably taken that as a good-hearted person that, man, they, they want to be a part of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. That's great. And just explain that. Hey, uh, you don't have to pay for this. This is free. But I want you to notice Simon Peter's response to this. So verse 20, but Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness. See, there was something in his heart from his past that thought he could buy his way into things, that thought his that money was the primary tool. And it's like some people say, everything's for sale for enough. Have you heard people say that? Everything's for sale for enough. Peter is confronting that belief that money is the ultimate God and money ultimately rules everything. If you just offer enough money, then you can have everything. And Peter is confronting that that audacity to think that money could buy anything of God. There is, there's not enough money in the world to buy anything of God. God is so much more valuable than the money that he created. And so Peter is confronting that. And really he's telling him that it's free, but he's confronting the wickedness that you could buy off the power of God. And he said, repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Oh, no doubt. This is this is the Holy Spirit through Peter 
speaking. This is the Holy Spirit that giving him this word of knowledge, so to speak. This, uh, yeah, it's a word of knowledge. He, Peter knows something about what's happening in Simon's heart. And he, and he's calling it out by the Holy Spirit. And so watch this. Then Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached, so it really doesn't finish up that story, except for that Simon didn't argue and say, no, that's not what I was thinking. Oh, that is exactly what he was thinking. And he was repentant and saying, oh, I, I, I don't want that judgment to come on me for that wicked thought that I had. Verse 25, so when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem. Talking about Peter and John, they not only laid hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit, but they preached the word of the Lord in Samaria. And then they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So they didn't only preach in the city of Samaria, but on their travel on the way back to Jerusalem, they stopped by a number of the villages of in Samaria and preached the word to them. Why not? We're traveling. Let's preach the word everywhere, everywhere we go. All right, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord, watch this. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise, go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This, you know, this is Gaza. This is where the Gaza Strip is, the same region today. And uh, it says, go down, uh, arise, go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasuries and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning, verse 28 says, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. So here is somebody, may have been Jewish, but nonetheless, here's somebody that is of Jewish belief and he's reading the Isaiah the prophet. And he's a man of great stature over the treasury of uh, Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And it says, then the spirit said to Philip, talking about the Holy Spirit, go near and overtake this chariot. So here's the Holy Spirit is leading Philip to expand the gospel, really to Ethiopia, a nation. And it says, then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. And I just want to add the words. It just so happens that he was reading this messianic prophecy. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And of course, that's a prophecy 700 years before Jesus was born as a baby about Jesus and him going to the cross without defending himself. Verse 34, so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, and I love this, and beginning at this scripture, 
preached Jesus to him. Now remember, here's a Bible, okay? The only Bible they had, and of course it would have been scrolls, the only Bible they had is what we call the Old Testament. And, and Philip, from the Bible, from the Old Testament, what did he preach? He preached Jesus, because the Old Testament is about Jesus. This is why we cannot just only preach the New Testament. That's the primary part of the Bible that we need to preach today to believers, especially. But we need to preach the Old Testament, too, because the New Testament fulfills the Old Testament. And the Old Testament was preaching about Jesus and says things about Jesus that the New Testament doesn't bother to say because it's already there in the Old Testament for us to learn. And so it says, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? What hinders me from accepting Jesus as the Messiah that has been prophesied about in the Old Testament. And then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, so here's where we know he was on the right track. The eunuch answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Anointed One, is the Son of God. Oh, he caught it, didn't he? And so... Uh, verse 38, so he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. That tells you right there, there's some dispute on how people were baptized, and what, were they just sprinkled, or or did they go actually down into a body of water and get immersed with uh, underwater? Well, this says, they went down into the water. They went down into the water. Well, that tells you right now the type of baptism it was full immersion. And so they went down into the water, and he, Philip, baptized him, the eunuch. Verse 39. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found, interesting phrase, but Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So, Philip just disappeared. This eunuch just got baptized by this guy that had been preaching to him for we don't know how long. Could be an hour, could be two or more hours. They've been traveling here. And uh, he, Philip baptizes him and the eunuch comes out of the water praising God. And all of a sudden, we don't know how long Philip was there. Uh, after the baptism, it says, now when they came up out of the water. So when it says when they came up, well, because Philip was not being baptized. So he's not talking about being lifted up out of the water at the end of the baptism. It's as they were walking back, you know, out onto dry land. As they came up uh, out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So they're walking out of this little lake or pond or whatever it was. And as they got out on dry land, all of a sudden Philip's gone. Well, this eunuch you can imagine it's tripping out. What in the world? But it was a sign to him that this is the power of God, that God had sent Philip just to talk to this one man. And where was this one man going to go back from Jerusalem? Back to Ethiopia. He had influence with the queen of Ethiopia. And by the way, there are many Jewish people 
from the nation of Ethiopia, the African nation of Ethiopia, that have been coming back in recent years to Israel, making Aliyah their voyage back to live in the land as Jewish people. But they are black Africans, but they're of Jewish descent. And we trace all of that back to this event where God so loved the world. He so loved the Ethiopians that when he saw this influential person from Ethiopia, God sent Philip, go, go tell him to take the gospel to that nation because no one was going at this point. Isn't that powerful? See, this is the way God wants to direct us. This is the way he wants to move us around. In fact, catching Philip away, the Lord's saying, I don't even have time for you to walk back and travel back to where I need you to go. I'm just going to catch you away and get you somewhere because God is on the move. God wants to reach people. He wants us to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray today that you would use us like this. If you've done it before, you'll do it again. Lord, use us like this to minister to people wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.